Second Kings 5 begins by telling us of a good and honorable Syrian man by the name of Naaman. Now Naaman was loved and he was respected, but the Bible gives us another quality about this man that is very important. It says he was a leper. Now, through a little Jewish maiden, the king of Syria would learn about a prophet named Elisha in Samaria and that he would be able to help. So what happened? Stay with us and you'll soon find out in this message titled, What a Testimony Can Do. Second Kings chapter 5, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, and 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away. And said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father... If the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, 
and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules, burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. In this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Ramon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon, when I bow down myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessed word, God, that has, uh, you've given unto us. You saw fit to give us these stories, God. Give us record of these instances that happened throughout time. God, that it uh, be for our benefit. God, that it be for our understanding and be for your glory. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you help us for a short time here tonight. Uh, Lord, not just for a short time here tonight, God, but throughout our lives, God. But I pray special for this short time here tonight, God, that you loose our lips. Help us to speak not with the words of man, God, but with the words of God, uh, that it might make a difference in those that have gathered in your house today. Lord, we do ask that you bless all those that are downstairs doing your work and your service. Unto those children, and Lord, I pray, God, for the children, God, that you give them understanding, God, give them uh, wisdom, God, touch their hearts that they might be different, God, brought up out from the things of this world, Lord, unto a good, unto a good thing in which you've got for them. Lord, we love you and thank you. Bless us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> in this passage of Scripture we have an account of a leper being made whole. And honestly, you could look at this scripture and you could see different perspectives and preach just a, a manifold of messages throughout it. I had just in glancing, I had uh, thought of several different ways you could take this scripture. You could look at the stubbornness of Naaman to follow the prescription for cleansing. Um, how he didn't want to do it the way the man of God said, but therefore uh, that was the only way he was to be cleansed. The singleness, of course, of the prescription of cleansing. Uh, the intercession of Naaman's servants for his cleansing. Naaman, being hard-headed and stubborn, he was going to uh, turn away uh, the cleansing of the Lord, but his servants interceded in that and saw I gave him words of wisdom and saw that he'd be cleansed. Uh, the love of the Syrian king to lay down his uh, pride and seek out a cure for Naaman. I mean, listen, this uh, Syrian king, he's the one that set all the wheels in motion to see that this man was cleansed and how he had to lay aside his pride to go into a foreign land unto a foreign god and seek this cleansing uh, for his servant in whom he loved. The humility of Elisha to shun both recognition and rewards for his service. I mean, so there's, there's just a few of them that uh, kind of popped off in my mind as I uh, uh, thought of this scripture. And so there's, there's literally a variety of ways we could uh, take this message tonight, but this message that I'm going to present unto you is, is not one of great length. It is not one of uh, 
some great uh, scholarly wisdom that you'll have to, in order to understand it. It is a short and simple message speaking about the cleansing of this leper. One thing, of course, that is imperative to understand when you're speaking about this, or uh, in fact, whenever you run across the topic of leprosy, uh, throughout the Old Testament, of course, in the New Testament, Jesus cleansed some lepers there as well. Leprosy is a type or shadow or, or, or uh, uh, of sin. Uh, that, that's kind of what it represents in typology. It's a symbol of that. And for many different reasons, when you study what leprosy is and uh, how it is the various aspects of leprosy, you'll see how that it relates to sin in a very good way. Number one, uh, leprosy itself eats away at the individual. Sin does that as well. Uh, it causes them to lose feeling. Leprosy is the disease. It is a bacteria that eats at the skin, but also eats at the nerve endings to where uh, lepers cannot feel. And I want you to understand, listen, sin will do that to a person too. It'll make them numb to things. It is contagious. There is a reason why it was ordained that if a man had leprosy that he was to cover his mouth, he was to cross on the other side, and he was to cry out, unclean, unclean, because it was contagious. We spoke about that this morning, how sin, uh, how if, if you want... Good, good future, you have good friends. If you want a bad future, have bad friends. Why? Because sin is contagious. If you surround yourself with sin, it will naturally bring out the sin that resides in each one of us. And so, uh, and, and at least in this time, there was no natural cure. It's debatable whether it's cured. Uh, it it's, can actually be cured or if it can just be treated today. Either way, in this day, there was no way for a, uh, a man to be cured naturally by sin. There is many instances of lepers and leprosy being cleansed throughout Scripture, but it was always of a supernatural or a divine uh, nature. So leprosy was a type of sin. There was no cure that um, man could manufacture to cleanse that sin. But thank God, uh, He is able. He is able. And so, we're going to look here at three different people. The title of this message is simply this, what a testimony can do. What a testimony can do. And so, we're going to look at three different people throughout this Scripture. <clears throat> In looking at this message, the first one is, of course, the man, and that is Naaman. The, uh, the one who had leprosy, the one who was diseased. There's a few things about him I want to point out. The first one is uh, his reputation. N number one, he was loved. He was loved by his wife. He was loved by his king. He was loved even by his servants. I mean, listen, this little, this little slave girl, the maiden who we'll get to in a little bit, she even loved him. She even cared for him. She even wanted to see him uh, be cleansed and, and be healed. And so he was loved by many different people. He was loved and he was also respected. I like what the way verse 1, it kind of points out several aspects here. Um, and not only was he loved and respected, he was actually used by God. Read verse number 1 with me again. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. 
He was also a mighty man of valor, so he was very respected. There was a lot of good aspects to this man. There was a lot of good to this man, right? I mean, you can see that. He wasn't, uh, he, I mean, we see him kind of getting, uh, getting a little uh, tiffed here in a little bit, but he was a good man for all intents and purposes. He had respect of many. He had the respect of those that loved him. He had the respect of those around him. He was a good man. But understand that his goodness could not cleanse his leprosy. He was a leper. And it didn't matter how good he was, didn't matter what, uh, what type of good things that he did, he was still a leper. Much the same in man today, there is many men that are in what we would say are good when you compare them to other men, right? There are many that uh, are respectable people. There's all, there, are, there are all kinds of them out there. I mean, one comes to my mind right now is good men, respectable men, honorable men, but they're still infected with that leprosy. And it doesn't matter how good they are. It will not cure that leprosy. It amazes me. It amazes me when you think of religion today and so many different churches and so many different churches of what is labeled the Christian faith will tell you that, uh, you know, if you want to be cleansed, do this and do that. Do this and do that. Let me tell you what. Cleansing does not come by what you do. Cleansing comes by who he is and what he has done. That is the only way cleansing comes. I mean, it would be akin, it would be akin to, uh, I don't know, going to the doctor and, and uh, the doctor prescribes you a cure and say, listen, buddy. You got this leprosy, but just go hang around non-lepers for a little while. Surely you'll be cured by that. That's not a cure. There was only one cure. That was his, uh, we see his reputation. We see his condition. Of course, he is a leper. Uh, and I gave you some of the instances just a little bit ago. Leprosy, as I had mentioned, it eats away at the individual. Man, sin will eat away. Leprosy will sit there and just deteriorate to the skin and all that stuff. Sin will do the same thing, man. It eats away at the person. Uh, sin will cause them to lose feeling. Leprosy would cause them to lose feeling. Sin will do the same thing. There are so many people, so many people that have rejected God and rejected God and rejected God time and time and time again, and their heart just continues to harden. It just continues to get worse. And that's exactly what sin will do, man. Sin will just eat away at someone's feelings. It will make them almost immune to the things of God. It'll cause them to lose feeling, and it is contagious. Amen. It is contagious. I would very much implore you to teach your kids to stay away from sinful people and sinful things. I would very much implore you to do that. How many here would agree me that that is a good thing to do? Amen. Let me tell you what, it's not just good for kids. Amen? It's good for us. 
it's good for us as well. Why? Because sin is contagious. And uh, not only is sin contagious, not only does it cause blue feeling, it is deadly. It is deadly. Romans 6, 23, of course, it says, For the wages of sin is death. James 1, 15 says, And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And so it's not just a deadly thing. It is the deadly thing. It is the cause of uh, all death. Uh, of everything, uh, all death that we know of, it is the root cause of it. We can see that in the obvious, and of course we can see that in the biblical. I know of uh, this story of a uh, young man, he's 22 years old, and he was uh, shooting up dope. A lot of that going around, amen. A lot of it. I'm glad there is a cure for that. <laughs> amen. But he chose to sin in that way. And he continued in that, and he and his partner they were on the couch, and they were shooting up. They had passed out, and then the partner had woken up and looked, and that, that boy was blue. He'd overdosed, and he died with the needle still sticking out of his arm. Absolutely horrible. In church, we need to understand what sin is. In our society, I know I've said this before, but in our society, sin is, it, it's like it's celebrated. Or it's pushed to the side or we only really take serious the serious sin I want you to know that all sin damns people to hell doesn't really matter if it's serious in your eyes or not and we need to stop treating sin with kids gloves recognize it for what it is man and rebuke it I mean but why because it affects us all now that man's sin did not just affect him it affected his mom and his daddy. It affected his siblings. It affected his companion. It affected the community. Sin has a way of doing that. Man, it won't just affect the one who is doing it. It'll affect all those that that person touches. We need to understand that. We need to, we, we really as a church, we need to stand against sin. Not, not, not excuse it. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about uh, necessarily standing against sinners. That saying is very true. Hate the sin, love the sinner. It is very true. It sounds, you know, cliche. It sounds trite, but it's absolutely true. We as Christians ought to hate the sin, but love the sinner. Man, hate that sin enough to rebuke it. Love the sinner enough to tell him there's a cure for it. All too often, man, we... We see sin, and we see sinners, and we see the effect on it. And rather than get involved, we hope somebody else will do it. Or we'll pray for them. Man, praying for them is good. Amen. Praying for them is good. But we ought to tell them about the remedy. We ought to communicate to them about that. Not leave that for someone else. We see Naaman... We see this man here. We see his reputation. He was a good man. He was a good man by all intents and purposes. You can't find anything that was said bad about this man. But we see his condition, that he was a leper. And that that sin, uh, that condition that he was in, man, it would cause many things in his life. Ultimately, it would cause 
death. And so we see the man. And then next, I want you to uh, see the maiden. There's two other people that we're going to look at tonight. And without one or the other, without one or the other, this man, Naaman, would have most likely died a leper. Without these next two people that, that uh, worked, and, and like I said, you could go on, you could expand this list. There's so many characters in this story. There's so many people that you could focus on. I just chose to focus on these three. But uh, if not for these next two people, that man would have died a leper. Why? Because God couldn't heal him? No. Because God uses men. It's the way he always done it. It's the way he does it today. It's the way he does it today. We see number one, or well, number two, in our outline here. We looked at the man, now we're looking at the maiden. Now, not much is known about this uh, young lady. We don't know her age. We don't know her name. We don't really know much about her at all. But uh, I can assure you this. God knows her. <laughs> God knows her intimately. And God thought enough about her contribution to put it in his eternal word. Man, what an honor. What an honor. So what do we know about this uh, maiden? Number one, we, well, we know that she was poor. I mean, she was just a poor girl. She had no, uh, she, she had nothing. She was a poor slave girl. She was taken from her homeland. She was taken from her people. And she was put to work. That is what we know about her. She was a poor slave girl. Now say that, namely because there's a lot of Christians that are kind of in that shape. Meaning that, you know, they don't have a lot of earthly goods. Right? Don't have a lot of earthly possessions or things of that nature. But let me say this and let me say this emphatically. God is not going to judge you for your earthly treasures. That's not going to carry any weight with God, how many trinkets you have or how many dollars you have in your pocket. That is not what the way God is going to look at you and judge your worth, your value, or anything like that. This woman might have been poor in earthly riches, man, but uh, uh, she was exactly where she needed to be. Romans 8, 28 says this, and that is, we all know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, this little girl was a slave. Are you telling me that God intended that? Yeah, I believe he did. Yep. I had made mention just a moment ago. Had it not been for two people, had it not been for two people, Naaman would have died a leper. Naaman would have died a leper. And of course, in our illustration, that's sin, right? What happens when someone dies in their sin? They go to hell. That's the reality. But thank God, he put someone in place so that he would not have to endure that. I thank God that he put someone in my path to show me my need of cleansing. He did that for me. If you've been born again, he did that for you. 
Now, I don't know what circumstances brought the, the people into your path that told you about Jesus. I don't know any of that. They may have been enduring hardships. They may have been enduring struggles. They may have been uh, in a place that they would have preferred not to be. But the fact of the matter is God put them there. God used them in that situation to give you the words of life, just like he did that for me. And so we see, though she was, uh, she was poor in earthly riches, man, she was courageous. She absolutely demonstrated courage. Now think of this. Let's, let's read this here. Verse number, verse number 3. Let's go back and read verse number 2. Give us the background of her and then read verse number 3. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. This wasn't some big strong man. This was a little maid. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. She is in a strange land. She is away from her friends. She is away from the comforts of her land and her people. She is away from all of that. And she is in a setting of ungodliness. She is in a setting where they're worshiping strange gods and false gods. And here it is, man. She says, hey, listen, if he was over in Samaria, he'd know Elisha. Elisha'd know what to do. All he'd need is Elisha. Why? Because Elisha, uh, he has a testimony. Elisha... He's a man of God. She was willing to say that in her environment that was strange to her, that was not just strange, but maybe combative to her beliefs and her God. She is that. Let me tell you what. There's many Christians today we live in a country that is founded upon the God of heaven. Amen? We do. We live in a country founded upon the God of heaven. And we are in our comfort zone. There is many churches. Listen, there's many ungodly churches. But there's many churches that are preaching the truth, right? There's many people that are holding to the truth of the Word of God in our surroundings and in our area. And, uh, and, but we, all too often have a problem telling people about what God can do. We all, you know, we have this fear. All too often Christians have this fear of, uh, well, I, I don't want to say that because I might get in a conversation where I don't uh, know how, you know, I don't know the answer or, you know, well, you know, if I, if, if I, if I said something like sodomy's a sin and but God can deliver them out of them, then I, I'm going to, I, there's all kinds of people going to call me all kinds of names. Yeah, maybe. It's still right. Amen. You know what God needs today? He just needs people to stand for Jesus. Amen. And so this little girl, this little maiden, this little maiden, she showed Courage, because even in her environment, even in the things that were all uh, against her, she still spoke about the God of heaven and the man who knew him. 
So she was poor in earthly riches, man, but she showed courage. She showed godliness in pointing the direction of the one that could help. And I believe with all my heart, this girl, this little maiden right here, she is currently rich in heavenly treasures. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Uh, your, your doodads and your trinkets and your cars and your homes and your houses and, and all the things that we enjoy this side of eternity, they're going to stay this side of eternity when you leave to go to the other side of eternity, right? They're all going to be here, but thank God that we have the ability to lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven that will be there for all eternity. Matthew six nineteen says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon this earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. He says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And so this maiden right here, though, though she might have been rich, though her plight may have been bleak, this side of eternity, this side of eternity, I don't believe that's the way she is today. I believe today she is enjoying the pleasures of heaven and the treasures of heaven. Amen. That's, I mean, we're, we're, talking, we're talking many moons ago when this episode happened. And I don't know how long this maiden lived. I have no idea. All we really know is what's spoken of right there. She could have lived another week. She could have lived another 80 years. I have no idea. But what I do know is this. When she did close her eyes in death, this side of eternity, her life was simply a vapor. It was gone long ago. And the plight in which she sustained, the trials in which she endured, and the earth earthly treasures that she may not have enjoyed, all of that stuff is, is gone. But today, she can enjoy the treasures of heaven and has enjoyed those, not for 20, 30, 60, 80, 100 years, but for hundreds of years heretofore and for eternity moving forward. So tell me, this little maiden, was she foolish or was she wise? We see she was poor in earthly riches, she was courageous and that she stood up for the Lord and wanted, I mean, this was, this was her master. She was a slave. Her master. But she wanted him to be healed. Thank God she knew the way it could happen. She pointed in that direction. So, we see the man, we see Naaman, we see his leprosy, we see, we see he was a good man, but he was still sick, he was still afflicted. There was nothing that a uh, natural remedy could handle. We see this maiden, though, man, she knew the way to, to point. She knew the direction to point. She knew that Elisha knew the Lord and that Elisha could help. And uh, so she told him about that. She could have kept her mouth shut. She could have kept her mouth shut and let Naaman die in his leprosy, but she didn't. Church, let me just use this uh, as, a, as a point to tell you that if you so desire, you can keep your mouth shut and let people fall off into hell, but you don't have to. Amen? You don't have to, and you ought not. And you ought not. 
This means she could have kept her mouth shut, but she didn't. Because such, she's enjoying treasures today. And then lastly here, uh, the other person that um, Naaman, had it not been, had it not been for uh, uh, this man, and that's the minister of God, which we know as Elisha here, had it not been for him, Naaman would have died in his leprosy. Uh, we see this is the prophet spoke of, identified in verse number 8 there, and it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard the king of Israel rent his clothes, he said, send him on down to me. Uh, you don't need to do that. And so why, why is it? Uh, what is it? Now we looked at the reputation, looked at the reputation of this man Naaman. Now let's look at the reputation of this man Elisha. What was it that was known about him? Well, many miracles God would perform through this man Elisha. Some of the ones that happened heretofore up until this moment in time was he, he had parted the Jordan River, the purifying of the water of Jericho, multiplying of oil for the widow, the purifying of the soup, uh, the multiplying of the barley loaves, the resurrection of the Shunammite woman's son, and, and many others. And so this reputation that uh, this minister uh, had, that um, Elisha had, man, it, it made the rounds. They knew him. They knew him, and they knew that God worked through him. He had a reputation not as a good man, but as a godly man. There is a difference. It was his testimony. It's that testimony that made the difference in Naaman. When we look at this reputation... His, it was so strong that it made an impact. It made an impact not just to the children of Israel, man, but all the way to Syria. Now, let me ask you this. I wonder, what is your reputation with your countrymen? If you were to ask yourself today, what, what is my reputation? Is it simply of a good person? Or is it of a godly person? Does your reputation speak to those that if they had trouble, if they had spiritual issues, man, would they come to you for answers? Would they say, hey, man, I, that, that preacher Scott, man, I, I think he could help me. I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not. I don't know what the Bible says. I, I need to know these things. I know who I'll call. I'll call him. Does your reputation speak to that? Would someone feel confident and comfortable enough with your reputation to call you and ask you these questions? Now, if you, if you don't think that's the... you would answer in the affirmative... Don't neglect to ask the question, why? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Because if you ask yourself that question, it'll lead you to understand not what you see when you look in the mirror, but what others see when they look at you. It'll maybe see some of the deficiencies in, in your Christian character, because we all have them, amen? Amen. We all have them, some just to greater degrees than others. 
It'll help you actually witness what those character, Christian character flaws are. Because if you don't know what they are, you certainly cannot correct them. Find out what they are so that you could be confident. When someone's in trouble, man, you know that they could call you. You know that they'd be confident in calling you. Why? Because you are in close communion with God, and it's evident in what they see. So we see his reputation. It was one of man of God. That's his testimony. We see his wisdom, man. Elisha knew what it would take to cleanse this man. He knew. He knew. And let me tell you something. It was very simple. Man, go down and dip yourself in Jordan seven times. It was not the answer that Naaman was looking for. In fact, his servants pointed that out to him. He said, if, if this man had told you to do thus and thus and thus, some, some great work, would you not have done it? Just go down and dip yourself in the Jordan. So his cleansing, Elisha knew what it was, and it was a very simple remedy to the problem at hand. Now, I want you to understand salvation is the same. It's the same. Salvation is not some, you do not have to have a doctorate theology degree in order to understand nor explain the plan of salvation. It is very simple. And that is by its, His grace through faith. Right? What is it? By faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. It's very simple. But it's very effective. Amen. You save an old wretched sinner like me. If you've been born again, it saved an old wretched sinner like you. And it'll save the vilest of sinner. Wash them clean. Make them clean. And so... We see that this answer, the wisdom in which Elijah bestowed upon them, and it's very simple. It's a very simple way to get saved. Acts 16.34, or excuse me, Acts 16.31, Paul and Silas tell that Philippian jailer, says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Romans 10.9 says, That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Uh, verse 12, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is over all, is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Of course, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, Naaman thought that he could go to uh, the Abana River, Far, Far River. He'd go to them, and, and, and he'd be just as well. There's many a people today that will have the same thinking. But I want you to understand that all paths do not lead to God. One path leads to God. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ and the finished work upon Calvary. Je uh, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 10, 7 says, Then Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and uh, find pastures. So we see 
Salvation is a singular thing. There is but one way unto the Lord, and that's through Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're, if you're trying to get to heaven because you're being good, that won't cleanse you any more than being good cleansed Naaman from leprosy. It took a miraculous cleansing, just as it does for all sinners today. So, we see the, the value, the worth of a testimony. What a testimony can do. It was Elisha's reputation that prompted the healing of Naaman. It's his reputation. It's his reputation. Now, let me say this. Satan will do all he can to destroy to diminish, to tear down your reputation. He will do all he can. But he can't do it unless you're a willing vessel. Amen. Can. To say that he could, to say that he's greater than God. What a testimony can do. <laughs> 